Christ. We now sing our creed, which is LSB 953. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Should we really be surprised by all the misplaced priorities we see in the world? We can hear of some of those misplaced priorities even in our gospel. We sang, played the flute, and you were not happy. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. In our day, we look at the things that are going on around us, and they take priority in our lives. It's fine to love baseball and be excited that this is a time for the World Series. It's fine to dress up our kids and let them go and get some candy. It's fine to enroll our children in various sports, hopefully learning through it, physical fitness and teamwork. But do people know what is also taking place this week? Do they know that Tuesday is really Reformation Day? That Wednesday is All Saints Day. Do they know how important these two days are in the life of the Christian and in the life of the Christian church? Do they know why they should be in church on bended knee 
with repentance and in thanksgiving for what God in Christ so mercifully grants to his church by grace. As we go around our community, we can see some homes with many Halloween decorations. As we go around our community, do we see as many homes bearing Christian symbols and images demonstrating that a Christian lives there? Look at the hundreds of children who will be out this afternoon getting candy at the seven trunker treats around town right here in Lexington and compare that to the number of children who are brought into the Lord's house this morning on the Lord's day. Look at the hours our youth spend just so that they can participate on a team and compare that to the amount of time they spend in the word of God through their church attendance and through family devotions. As I see it, part of the problem is that the people take the gospel for granted. They assume everyone knows it, that everyone has it, and therefore everyone believes it. They want to go to heaven, and so they assume everyone they know has that same desire or, at the very least, is also going to end up in the same place. And so anything related to Christ and his church in their minds can take a back seat to all the things that are supposed to bring meaning to life, like our sports, trick-or-treating, work, or you name it, When we go down this route, we quickly lose the very thing we thought we could never lose. The gospel. Martin Luther described the gospel like a passing shower. The gospel comes upon one land, that is, a shower comes upon one land and leaves and goes to another place. And so does the gospel. The gospel can move on due to ingratitude and neglect of the word of God. For God can and does withdraw his presence when people are flatly unwilling to hear him. Concerning this, Martin Luther wrote, Buy while the market is at your door. Gather in the harvest while there is sunshine and fair weather. Make use of God's grace and word while it is here. For you should know that God's word and grace is like a passing shower of rain, which does not return where it once has been. It had been with the Jews, but when it's gone, it's gone. And now they have nothing. Paul brought it to the Greeks, but again, when it's gone, it's gone. And now they have the Turk. Rome and the Latins also had it. But when it's gone, it's gone. And now they have the Pope. And you Germans need not think that you will have it forever. For ingratitude and contempt will not make it stay. Therefore, seize it and hold it fast. If you think about it, 
the church is always one generation from passing away, from ceasing to exist. For if the word of God is not passed to the next generation, then it will be gone. Of course, God has always promised to preserve a remnant, but he has not guaranteed to preserve a remnant in those places, those lands where the gospel had once been preached. Places and lands that were once sanctified by the word of God can become defiled as the word leaves that area and the people return to their pagan roots. But somewhere on earth, we rejoice that the word will still be preached to the joy and the edification of God's holy people. What do we want in our place right here in Lexington? What do we want for our children and for our children's children? We show them what we want by our very actions and by the priorities that we set and by the things that we emphasize to our children. So if we want them to be Christian, we will teach them the way of Christ who taught us that if we would be his disciple, we will take up our crosses and follow him. So if we want our children to be Christian, we teach them to take up their crosses as well. We make sacrifices for them, and they make sacrifices so that they will be in the very presence of Christ through his word. If we want our children to love our Savior more than the fleeting things of the world, we will demonstrate our love toward Christ in their presence, especially by choosing church attendance over all the world's vanities and the temporary pleasures that we receive from within the world. If we want them to have a safe haven and a refuge in this most crazy world, we will support generously the preaching of the gospel in our congregation, not only through generous offerings, but also in charity toward our church and her members through our voices as we speak the good words of Jesus Christ and as we serve within our congregation. I think a good question on Reformation Day is for us to reflect on, will the Christian church remain here? While we cannot see the future, we can look at the health of our congregation and of our sister congregations. If we diagnose a congregation to be unhealthy, then the work needs to be done to bring about improvement, work which begins with prayer and a return to the word of God. Some would only look at the church's attendance as a gauge for a congregation's health, they might say 500 in the church building constitutes a healthy church and 5,000 would be a super healthy church. But then they may also say that but 50 could be considered unhealthy. However, we must not gauge those types of numbers as indicative of a congregation's true health. For tiny churches can certainly be very healthy. Huge churches can have few who are actually faithful and therefore be unhealthy. 
Many large churches suffer from a stewardship problem that they're not that they're struggling to make their budget, but their sheer size allows most of the people who attend to give little of their time, talents, and treasures so that they don't have to have any type of sacrifices that involves what they think is some sort of faithful walk with God. In smaller churches, though, most parishioners learn that they are to give sacrificially to sustain their congregation. And so smaller churches rely on more members as a percent of its membership giving in this way, and it certainly is a good way. A congregation's health can be gauged by attendance only in this sense. How many are coming to God's house in comparison to those who hold their membership on the church roster. If that percentage is low, then it is clear that there is a health issue at hand. Another way to gauge a congregation's health is through her church's song. Do God's people participate in the singing of the hymns which God would place into our lips and into our hearts and minds? Or do many cross their arms and stare off into space during the hymns, not even bothering to look at the very words which are intended to edify and build us up? That, of course, is an indicator of poor health. And finally, how much do church members want to adhere to pure doctrine as taught in the scriptures and expounded in the Lutheran confessions? Do they want to grow in their knowledge of the doctrine of Christ by, by listening intently to the word of God as it is preached and read and sung? Do many come to Bible study? And are the congregation's members opening their Bibles when they are at home on a regular basis? Will the congregation choose better practices guided by Scripture over the congregation's own traditions? While our own congregation tolerates pure doctrine rather well, and many, thankfully, rejoice in pure doctrine, I think there's evidence that we have some room to grow and to improve our health. More need to come to Bible study especially among those who make decisions on behalf of our congregation, that is, the voters. We need to strive for what is best so that our members of all ages, ages grow in their knowledge and wisdom of Scripture. Training needs to be done for those of all ages in our congregation so that visitors will see in us a truly singing church. And that training especially needs to be done among the men in our church. When, Christian, when, when children see dad or grandpa unwilling to sing, they are being trained that they should not sing either. Singing in church, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, is not a performance. It's not based on how good you think that you are or how bad you are. Sing anyway. Because in doing so, you are praying, praising, and giving thanks to our loving Lord. 
I was a terrible singer. And you can also see that I often still am, but I still sing the praises of God. What I am saying in all of this is that the work that has begun by by our Lord through the servant whom he has chosen, Martin Luther, at the Reformation, this work is not over. It is never over. There's always work to be done. We don't point our fingers and look at everyone outside of these walls, but we look within at where we can grow, how we can improve, how we can return to our roots to Christ through his life-giving and life-saving word. Passing on the faith must be a top priority. Do you recall what you sang in the gradual about telling the next generation? Sustaining the faith of those who have joined our church must also be ranked among the top. And same with reaching out to those in our community and in among our families and friends with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We cannot, my dear friends, assume that they already know the gospel of Jesus and are going to heaven. So many are dying to hear what we have preached to us ever so clearly Sunday after Sunday. Our reading from Romans tells us the reality of our sin and why we need Christ so badly. For in our reading to the Romans, we heard, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Also we heard, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So if all have sinned, then all need a Savior. While we rejoice in the reality that Jesus died for the sins of the entire world, we also recognize that only those who believe in Jesus will in the end receive this salvation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, Jesus declared, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. This is also given testimony in our epistle reading. For in it we heard, Now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. And we also heard and we, that we are justified by his grace as a gift, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood, to be received by faith. And finally, our epistle lesson concluded, we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Salvation was earned for all by Jesus when he graciously and lovingly went to the cross bearing our sins in his body, shedding his innocent blood on our behalf, and serving as the sacrificial payment for all our sin. And while Jesus certainly paid for the sins of all people of all time, 
this does not mean that forgiveness is automatically granted to all people. Instead, this forgiveness is received by grace through faith. And Paul would later write to the Romans that faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. How will they hear unless there is a preacher who is sent? And so we gather as God's people in his house so that we may hear this life-giving and life-saving word so that the Holy Spirit will continue to work faith in us so that our faith would be sustained and so that we will receive the goal of our faith, the salvation of our bodies and souls by which the righteous judge, our Lord Jesus Christ, will acquit us on the last day, declaring us to be righteous. Since faith is obtained and sustained through the word, then being in the word needs to be of utmost priority and importance for the Christian. That word cannot be taken for granted, nor can it be assumed that everyone we know has it. The gospel certainly has been a passing shower in certain places. I am reminded of a picture that a high school classmate of mine posted, a rather moving picture of a location in North Dakota in which all that was there were the steps of the sanctuary going up into the building. The church building was gone, but the steps and the railing were still there. I do not know what the cause was for why that church declined and why it is no longer there. But churches do close, and we must be on guard that ours will not do so. The only way that we can do that is not by looking at the pocketbooks of our neighbors, but by ourselves generously supporting our church, not only with our offerings, but especially through our attendance and through our participation in the divine service. And as we serve as loving neighbors to, to those around us, letting them know that they are welcome here and that the gospel of Jesus Christ is available to them. That is loving them in Christ. The Reformation begun by Luther continues. It began with a call to repentance our lives are to be that of continually, continual repentance and continually returning to Christ our Savior. For in him we are baptized and we have put on Christ and he feeds us with his body and blood so that we stand before him forgiven, redeemed, and restored. We give thanks for what God has done through his Christian church in restoring the gospel under Martin Luther and we give thanks that we are recipients of this grace and that his word continues to have free course among us. May it continue to be so. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.